Brandon. Hey, Alan. So and this morning I was working on a lot of Frostgrave terrain, which is basically a bunch of fantasy buildings for our eventual return to playing with lots of people. But while we're not gathering in large groups, we actually met up just one-on-one to get a game of the new edition of Frostgrave in. Yeah, it was great. I was, I was actually um, I was decently excited, but actually getting the uh, book into my virtual hands was uh, really got me pumped. So, yeah. and, and playing it even more. So before we go on all positive, a giant long positive <laughs> rant about the changes in second edition from first edition, I guess yep. we, both, we both bought electronic copies of the book, but you yep. bought one for a reader and I just bought the straight up PDF copy. Yes. So I guess with your copy, because I originally I made the error and I'm, I'm willing to admit it was an error of buying the Kindle version, which uh-huh. just the reader for it, I don't find that good, like the online reader or the uh-huh. one on my phone. So I did not make that mistake this time. I went for the PDF version and I was very happy with how that was formatted. But I guess you went for the reader version on Google. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah. So just so you know, in this episode of Dice Over Everything, we're talking about Frostgrave Second Edition. So that's what we're going to be talking about all episode and good and bad and mostly good. Yeah. Mostly what's, great. What's changed. Good, good, what's good. And a little bit of things. And this is one of the, the, uh, the few things that I actually was a little bit um, disappointed in is overall the rules are great. There's great artwork. You know, the, it got me super excited reading that stuff. Um, but the actual um, book, because I got the uh, Google Books version, it, it was interesting because when I got the Google uh, Books version of the first edition, uh, I found actually the formatting was really good. And I wonder if the first edition in, in, in that you buy off of Google Books is just a straight PDF conversion. And then the second edition, it, uh, it seems like it was, I don't know, maybe converted in, in whatever way that uh, basically all the tables are messed up. So because it's trying to be a... Um, what do you call it? A, a multiple, I guess phone size friendly version of reading the rules where like every, all of the layout are, are kind of are supposed to flow. Um, it ends up, well, the, the problem is it, the, all the tables and stuff were not formatted well in that book. I guess, like you said, the like, just like how it happens in the Kindle version. So anytime there was a table as opposed to just text, it got messed up entirely. And it becomes like, you know, your spanning of your table doesn't, span correctly and if, you're, if the table was wide it wouldn't it wouldn't uh, display correctly and any of the spell cards they were just weird like they would span multiple pages so you literally are missing text like the last word of uh, the spell card was on the next next page and that I found uh, it really wasn't that great and then when I looked at your PDF version I'm like wow this is this is awesome right because I guess yeah, PDF it's, it's more like a real know, book yeah Exactly, right? And any of those cards were, were spaced correctly. And yeah, you know, if, if the uh, format seems small, instead of trying to like reformat it uh, onto multiple pages incorrectly, you just have to zoom in. But yeah, at least zooming in works. Yeah, even electronic device, it's easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just, you know, pinch and zoom. So, yep. so you also yeah. ordered a hard copy through our local game store. So yeah, you won't of course. Have That's the problem. one I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, because the art from what I saw just on the screen was actually quite nice. 
it's, yeah. it's different, a little bit different than the old style. I would say it's mm-hmm. maybe not as detailed, but the whole the themes and the colors are all very beautiful. Yeah, so I think, what's her name? Amon Ra? Amon Ra? Something like that. Uh, so uh, I did see uh, her artwork in Dracula's America. I bought that book, um, not, not a hard copy, but a, a virtual copy of that book. Uh, and um, it was it was decent, but she's really improved. Like, like the her previous artwork was, was well, you know it was pretty good, but her her artwork for Frostgrave uh, Second Edition has really like gone another level. Um, so I I really I really liked the the look of the of the artwork. It's like um, it it. It sells kind of the setting, yeah. And it definitely does. And there's quite a bit of it in the book. Yeah, it's not like and it's not like three or four pieces. There's like a good dozen. Yeah, it's and like, I, I like some of the, I guess, designs. I don't know if I, I assume she's the one that designed the the you know the the costumes and that kind of look. And I thought they were interesting, in some ways more interesting than the uh, uh, the previous artwork, which. Um, you know what? Actually, that's not necessarily even true. The other artwork, like the Chronomancer, a lot of the different wizards were, were very interesting. Maybe it's just like the rendition of them, or or the maybe the character in terms of the 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 way that they're. There's just something that different that's that's kind of interesting in 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 the way that the uh, characters are portrayed in this one. Um, I will say overall, if I had to judge, I do like the previous uh, artist uh, better. Um, I thought, I think um, there's there's more dynamism, I think, in the previous, uh, the, the way that the previous artist rendered the characters. So they felt more um, flowing and natural, yeah. right? The new artist, although like the art is cool, uh, the way that they act is a bit um, characterful. I feel like they're still a little bit stiff. It, even though like uh, it's good art, it's a little bit stiff. Feel, relatively speaking, a bit more, yeah, yeah, they feel a bit more flat. Yeah. So whereas the the previous artist was, you know, they're they're really good in, in placing the characters in like a 3D kind of landscape with with the other person it, with a lot of movement, and so I did like uh, that kind of look. Um, but again, the, the the second one is really good, and I feel like, um, uh, yeah, it's it's just great artwork, and of course, it's all new artwork, which is amazing. That you know, like it didn't reuse any pieces; it's all new stuff, which is awesome. So on the note of actually printing stuff out, I ended up printing out from the PDF copy the spell, all the spell cards. Because when you play the game, you you don't you need to have some hard copies in front of you, I find, of some stuff, because just scrolling through your little phone is gonna be a little too slow. So I printed off the encounter table with all the monsters that appear on different roles and the spell cards and obviously the wizard sheets. And I guess maybe because before in the previous editions, the spell cards were all on Osprey's website under their game resources. Mm-hmm. But I guess they haven't been updated yet. But at some point, well, they, they have. Be, they have been updated. Have been. Yeah. Uh, good. Good. 
Why did you did you update them yourselves? Yourself? Yes. Oh, nice. <laughs> Do they look prettier? Uh, oh wow, you really just updated them. Oh nice. Cool. I didn't type it all out. I just anyways, with the PDF you can export and reformat. And yeah. Uh-huh. It's mostly automatic. So I guess on the note of things that were printed out, the encounter table and things that have changed and not changed, the encounter table, which determines what monster appears when you pick up treasure, did not change in terms of like the type of monsters that appear and the likelihood of them yep. appearing. That's that right. stayed the same. But what did change is how likely it is for a monster to come on. Yes, which is uh, amazing. Uh, Before, we were house ruling that monsters come on more often because I believe you roll a 20, a d20, okay. and then on a 16 and up in Frostgrave first. Yeah, there's a 25% chance whenever you pick up a monster. So, so if, if anyone uh, is wondering what we're talking about in general in Frostgrave, so the idea of Frostgrave is two wizards fighting it out looking for treasure. Uh, or fight, not looking for treasure, fighting over treasure, and the, the most uh, coveted treasure is spells, right? Um, so you're fighting over treasure, but uh, in this like frozen, basically um, post-apocalyptic magical fantasy uh, city that is just thawing. So all of these wizards are basically tomb plunderers, like Indiana Jonesing it, trying to gather all the treasure from this previously dead city. However, as the city unfreezes, not only is the city accessible to humans, there's a lot of wandering monsters who show up uh, to throw a monkey wrench in both of the opposing wizard sides. And so uh, when we're playing, you know, like any kind of war game, you have your normal, like trying to, to overcome your opponent, but also these random monsters will show up to like try and kill you both. Yes, and now they're twice as likely to appear. So it's 50-50 yes. here now? More than twice as likely. So before it was 16 and up on the 20. Whenever you try and pick up a treasure, a random monster will come up and try to screw over, try to eat people from either side of, uh, on, the, on the table. Uh, n- now it is uh, 10 and up. So a little bit more than twice as, mon- as, as often, monsters are going to show up and try and like, whenever you pick up a treasure and try and eat you. Which, they also made some of the monsters more, like a little bit better yes. at fighting. Yeah, that's actually, uh, yep. Yeah, and especially some of the common ones. So. Yeah, so like a, before um, a bear could show up, just like a basically a, a grizzly bear, or maybe it's a mm-hmm. polar bear. No, I think they're supposed to be grizzly bears, could show up. Uh, and they were a little bit less intimidating. Basically, they were like a slightly worse barbarian. Uh, now they are better than a barbarian, right? Yeah. Like, like. Generally, if a bear is fighting Conan, uh, Conan's going to lose in the new edition. In this edition. Mm-hmm. Yes. You have, to, you have to really buff him, you have magical Conan. Yeah, you got to, yeah, exactly. That, that Conan yeah. better have a magical sword. Yes. Yeah, so, that, so that's the kind of thing um, that, I guess, basically, um, uh, Joe McCullough, the, the person that wrote uh, Frostgrave, uh, I guess he saw, or or as he played, just generally how people uh, 
liked to play the game and what people really enjoyed and probably what he enjoyed as well, right? And the wandering monsters kind of throwing a wrench as just as you're trying to pick up a treasure ha- is like an interesting and fun kind of dynamic way that the, play, that the game plays. And it's like, normally you would think uh, when you're trying to just win, like win a game, you, you might not like the fact that there's this random monster or this random thing that happens that could possibly just destroy your best laid plans. But I found, I don't know if it's our group or in general, the way that the, the Frostgrave game plays, it's very kind of cinematic. And so I've never really seen people get really upset by a wandering monster show up. In fact, they're even more excited. The more you play, the more excited you are when like the biggest, baddest monster shows up to screw over everyone. Yes. Even if it shows up behind you, you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Yeah, it kind of like, like just, yeah, because of the way the Frostgrave game plays, it's almost more like a, a, a shared storytelling, competitive storytelling. So it's exciting when like you're trying to get treasure and then, I don't know, the Lich Lord, like a powerful wizard and his retinue shows up to screw over both you and, and the opponent. It's just yeah. like they're so narrative and fun that you're like, you're totally great with it, right? To have that happen. Yeah, it has a very, not just having the D&D like sort of magic scenario to it, but it actually has like some of the storytelling elements to it too. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so everyone seemed to really enjoy it. So it was like, oh, all right, put more of it in. And, and I assume lots of people probably house ruled in lowering that number of how often monsters show up. So, yeah. Yep, and I think there was more of a mention. I don't think this was mentioned as much in the previous rules, but from how we played in our group, we would often play with three or four players per board. So there's even more of a storytelling back and forth element between because there's more yes. people interacting. And um, in this version of the rules, he made more of a mention about how to like set up the board, just talking about like using a larger board size mm-hmm. and a few other things, knowing that yeah. people would actually play this way. Yeah, so because so many people played um, multiple players, like more than two, uh, mm-hmm. in the initial game, it was the rules were set up with the idea that it would just be one person against another. But it, the rules have now through like, you know, he basically folded in, in a lot of the um, expansion books and, and rules and kind of facts into this book. And part of that is making the game more clearly uh, work with multiple players. And of course it could already work with multiple players, but just cleaning it up. So it's very, it, 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 it's very easy. And it's like literally in the rules and how you're supposed to play with three players or four players. Right. Yeah. And to That's make it work, works. which we all like, like for you and I, I think when we're playing Frostgrave uh, two, uh, Frostgrave one, sorry. Um, we kind of just learn how to play like, the tweaks you need for the setup of the game to make it work with three or four players and the base game works fine with three or four players. Right. But the setup has to change a bit and we kind of just figured that out naturally, but like to have it well written in the rules right there, like uh, is, is a great, um, a great tool, especially because I think uh, we've talked about this before, uh, the best way to play Frostgrave is, I think, three players. 
Yeah, I would agree. Like once you get four or more players, which we've done, especially with more than four, the time it takes to go back around to your turn often gets to be a bit long. But yeah. because there's the, everybody has three phases where they activate their troops on mm -hmm. a given turn, it usually doesn't take too long. But if you have slower players and you go up to five, then often you can feel like you're not doing very much in that in between time. And, and again, that's the same kind of issue that you have if you play like Dungeons and Dragons or something like that, if the group gets too big. But the yeah. three players really, really works because also um, oftentimes what happens in a one-on-one -on -one play a game uh, is that things could snowball, right? But with a three-player game, um, naturally there's some balancing because if one person is playing ahead, the other two will obviously both kind of naturally kind of team up to kind of balance that out, right? Yeah. So it's a great... Um, the balancing mechanic overall for, yeah the, yeah exactly the game, the game itself doesn't have really balancing mechanics built in but when you when you put the multiplayers in basically yeah not its not in the not in any one specific mission overall the campaign actually has introduced ways to balance out like if you're because frostgrave also one of the great things about frostgrave like and part of what makes it so narrative is that there's um uh the games are all connected, right? It's a campaign play where your, your character after every game gets treasure and gets experience and levels up. So there are rules actually now in the game, which was, were missing in the first edition um, without the supplements uh, to balance out if you start with a much higher uh, level wizard than your opponent. Let's say you just did a lot better in the game, so you got more experience. Then there's balancing ways. Basically, you get to, uh, the, the weaker player gets, to, gets free... Um, wandering monster creatures that they can basically use to to help uh balance out the uh difference in power level yeah it's a fun way of doing it yeah um and another thing kind of that helps balance out that um pulling away of one wizard over uh a weaker wizard is the change there's, there's actually been a lot of changes just to the campaign play of and the setup of your warband yeah so before like you keep gathering gold you well the other when you gather treasure it often gives you gold and you would spend that gold towards either items or towards new soldiers like if your soldiers yeah. die you can replace them or just replace your starting soldiers with better ones mm -hmm. and well I guess we'll talk about the shooting part later, but they've now divided the types of soldiers into your standard soldiers and your specialist soldiers. Yeah. Did I use the right name for the standard ones? Yep, standard and specialist. So the idea okay. is basically, uh, as, as I've uh, listened to a bunch of podcasts with uh, Joe in them, and, and basically one of the major problems with um, snowballing on a, on a larger scale uh, is if one of the wizards starts getting a lot more treasure and... Uh, experience than the uh, opposing uh, wizard at the beginning of a campaign they can kind of become way more powerful than the um, the weaker wizard because you can then just buy all the best mercenaries right yeah, now the, yeah. your team having 10 health each now all your guys have 12 to 14 health as opposed and they fight to better and all this kind of stuff right and um and then the other thing is every single soldier cost uh, gold. So if you ended up having zero gold and you lost a couple of guys, you could even be having fewer members in your warband where your opponent has more members of the warband and all their members of the warband are, are stronger. Even though the wizards themselves might be close in power level, 
mm-hmm. the war bans uh, overall could be significantly different. If basically you had like eight knights and the opponent opponent just has seven thugs, you're in for a bad time. Yeah, that's a, it'll it'll snowball as we said. As yeah. That, so that so how they how Joe kind of fixed that and and also added in a lot more. Well, we can talk about it a little bit more, but like uh, basically, like you said, all the, the troops are, are divided into standard and specialists, and you can only have four specialist soldiers and four standard soldiers. So, and so some of the standard soldiers are free. So you never like get outnumbered. If you like all your guys die, you can also, be, you can basically just always convince some thugs or thieves to join your war band to go and like get a cut of the treasure, right? As you're going and fighting, which can really help balance if your if your team got you know massacred in a terrible battle that just didn't work. You out rolled really badly for their injuries and they all just yeah. succumbed. Yeah. Yeah. So and then now, they can't uh, outnumber you. Yeah. Sorry. Oh yeah. yeah. You can talk about the implications more before we go into yeah. more detail. Yeah. So um, the other thing that I really liked is uh, there was another issue in, in in the older versions of the game with uh, ranged combat being really really powerful, and I think that yeah, ranged combat that's should what I was be going to mention. Yeah. Yeah, but now uh, the only way you can get a ranged combat is like every ranged combat uh, unit, except for the javelinier, is now um, a specialist soldier. So, so you can top four of them, if you take yeah. all your specialists as the range type. Yeah, and now you don't, and and also the, like the most tanky units and the most like best in melee units are also uh, specialists. So if you take a knight you're not going to have four archers or four rangers or whatever, right? So you can't, and, and what's kind of interesting in, in that is that it kind of makes the ranged combat of the wizard even more important. Yeah, I was going to get to that. We found that in the game that we played because I played totally different than usual. I just wanted to try some new stuff out because it was going to be a one-off game rather than a whole long campaign. So I'm like, okay, I'll just play all spells I've never used before and in a totally different way, which involved not taking a lot of shooting spells. And I find it's a big handicap, especially when you don't have as many shooting units on the board, not yeah. to be able to just like reach out and shoot off that one thing. So, yeah, so now yeah. like going heavy ranged really impacts how you play. And if you're going heavy ranged, you might want to have to supplement your ranged combat with your wizards having ranged combat. Because that way, you know, you're, you're because you can't get you can get so much less range. The fact that you're, you can make your wizards also have ranged combat in a pinch uh, yeah. is a bigger impact, right? Because you can't rely on all of your just your normal troopers to be shooting people. Yeah, you. so before you often wanted to have one or two shooting spells, but maybe it wasn't 100% necessary. But now I think it is 100% necessary to give your wizard some sort of range damaging spell. I, I found it was 100% very... necessary. I think it depends on your, your, the way your play style is. Yeah. And I think... For the way you play, generally, yes, I think you want a, a ranged combat, right? So to have ranged supremacy, yeah, you need your wizards to have ranged. Have ranged. So yeah. I, I, I like that. And, and, and it's interesting because basically it, al- it forces um, a lot more use of a lot of different units. And uh, it means that the strategies you use are almost like 
more important because you only have four stand, uh, specialist soldiers. So you can't just get all of the different specialist soldiers of all the different types. You kind of have to choose. Is my warband going to be more ranged, uh, have a, a stronger range presence, or are they going to be more about like holding the line with a bunch of knights? Uh, or are they going to be like quick at getting treasure and taking them away with a bunch of... Um, Some rangers and... Uh, rangers treasure and uh, treasure hunters, exactly, right? And that's yep. that I find really interesting, especially because like, you know, treasure hunters were really good in the previous one. But um, now, now actually, they're like the literally now the best unit to pick up treasure and leave. So, so that I find interesting. Yeah, yeah trackers might be good too, because they're speed seven, and they can shoot things as they try and chase them down. So yeah, yeah, but they get a but minus they one. So so of the seven move units, uh, when you pick up a treasure, you get a minus one fight. If you have a bow or a two-handed uh, bow, a shield, or a two-handed weapon. Yeah. So the tracker, because the treasure has less, yeah. less fight has, than these. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, even though the tracker and the ranger are just as fast as the treasure hunter, they have mm-hmm. less fight, and they you get an even less fight due to uh, getting a minus one when they pick up treasure, whereas the treasure hunter maintains its plus three fight for like avoiding getting shot by arrows as it's running away or fighting off people as it's running away yeah. with the treasure, which yeah, is enough. You just run full yeah. speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that kind of balances the fact that treasure hunter lost one fight because of uh, the honestly kind of broken nature of two-handed weapons, which used to give uh, an ex- additional plus one fight. So the, the treasure hunter used to be plus four fight, which was ridiculous, which technically in our, our local games, we already rec- like we are already put that fix in to make yeah. the treasure hunter only three fight. Yeah, now the treasure hunter only has a hand weapon, so it's not a two-handed weapon anymore. Or I don't know if it no, was. No, it, had, it didn't get the plus one fight for a hand weapon and dagger. Yeah. Which you used to get. Yes. We go. Yeah, so so a lot of these things basically you'll see like throughout the entire game little niggling things in the old rules like a lot of them have been like cleaned up uh, all of the updates in the books that made sense to go into the main rules have been put into there so now you can have uh, a one-stop uh, shop for all the greatest rules on on in our opinion the best way to play right like all of the modifications that we needed to do to the base game to make it uh, work for us, which is like for people that are playing three players and um, or four players, multiple players, and 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 to make it generally balanced and and to have more monsters, all those things are now in the main rules. So like, it's great, right? It works. It it, it really makes it easy, I guess, for for new people uh, to play in the way that, in our opinion, was the best way to play. Right? It's now core of those ways. Yeah, so the other part about the ranged being limited to maximum four shooting units mm-hmm. that I found we had to come up with house rules for when we were playing three or four players mm-hmm. is that we basically had a gentleman's agreement that we wouldn't play with more than three or four ranged units uh-huh. per person because yeah. we, if one unit went into the middle to get treasure, now you have several players surrounding them with all their ranged units that have nothing yeah. else to shoot but the guy who's risked himself to go get the treasure so yeah. if you started playing a, a warband like with seven shooters in it, and now uh-huh. you would just gun down anything that yeah. like went out in the open, whereas that's yeah. now been addressed 
by limiting the special yeah. soldiers to four. So you yeah, we kind of like, things. yeah, in my opinion, the best warband was like seven rangers and a knight, which you just yeah. can't do anymore. <laughs> no. So a knight to make sure that they don't just rush your wizards and kill them. And then seven rangers to like both pick up treasure and full. And if the wizard, if the wizard walks out in the open, you've got seven rangers. <laughs> At one point you're going to roll an 18, 20 something and just. Yeah. And just murder them. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I really liked all of that, that, that kind of change, right? And, and there was definitely some mitigating vector. The more terrain you put on, but I feel like a lot of players never have enough terrain, right? A lot of, just, just for judging, like from the uh, way, way like from, from the post online, and honestly, even from when we started playing, we just didn't put enough terrain on the board. And now in the rules, it's a lot more clear saying, yeah, there should be tons of terrain. Like um, in the game, there's basically an effective max range of 24 inches for archers and, and stuff. But, um, but the board's not that you, big, so it's not a huge restriction. Yeah, 36. Uh, well, it's, it's, yeah, it's 36. So there's still somewhat of a restriction. But um, in the rules, literally now, he says that on the ground level of Frostgrave, you shouldn't have that many... Uh, like paths that are more than 12 inches long, right? So now it's like a lot more clear about what he expected for us to be. It's literally a city, right? It's a, like a packed, dense city filled with like ice and whatever as you walk through. And if you want to be able to shoot 12 inches, you might have to climb up onto a building to shoot down on people, right? Yep. Which I think is great. Like, the way, like, we kind of figured that out, but that's because we played a lot of Frostgrave, right? Like, over years, we finally figured out, you know what? This is the amount of terrain it makes for the game to really work. Yeah, so my suggestion for terrain, a quick one, is just build lots of walls because it gives you the feel of the ruined city. They're easy to pack away. They're not expensive to build, and there's lots of ways to build them out of, like, yeah. cheap materials. So just build lots of walls as yeah. you're starting terrain. Anyhow. Yeah, so... um yeah, so uh, what other things? Um, there's also, I guess, two of the, the other remaining biggest things. And I think something that um, uh, a lot of the older players were, were, would be really excited or in some ways would be the most excited about is the new spells and the new missions. So... You want to talk a little bit more about like spells and why the new spells and, and, and like how they've been worked in uh, is really great. Yes. Yeah, so before there were some spells that never got used. Mm -hmm. And I think those got sorted out a little bit. And some of the shooting spells were also possibly a little too good. Mm -hmm. Or some of the shooting spells were some of the shooting spells that weren't the really good ones. Because compared like to just terrible. They, just, they were terrible compared to the good ones. And they might have yeah. been terrible overall because they didn't accomplish very much. The uh -huh. crappy ones were brought up a bit in power, and then the obviously best ones were brought down a little bit. So yeah. that was good. All the shooting spells. I think yeah. I went. Mm -hmm. I what? So yeah. So the the entire basically he went through all the spells and kind of balanced out um, the spells. So it, it it now feels like in in, in two ways. Any sp like you said, any spell that was too bad he brought up, or even just replaced with a new spell, and then any spell that was. Too strong, he just brought that power down a little bit. Uh -huh. so, yeah, so what ended up happening is like, um, 
yeah, now when I look at the list, it's like I think there's still some spells that are, are not not that good, but it's like three or four spells now, right? And even those three or four spells, I need to try them out to make sure, right? Whether they're they're good or bad before, right? Uh, so uh, to me, this is like a great addition. Basically, if you're like, there's just so many, just, just by replacing or improving the spells, right? And also making certain spells not just make other spells useless. Uh, it's just enlarge the number of spells that you, you can use, right? And, and Frostgrave is a game about these two wizards leading warbands kind of, you know, crush, like fighting each other over, over uh, treasure, right? So the spells are critical for the game to work really well, right? That's where the strategy and the story and everything comes from. So just enlarging that, not by giving even more spells, which can kind of be confusing because there's too many options. Uh, but by just 80, yeah, there's already eighty spells, so it didn't need more spells. Yeah, it just need a better, uh, more useful. Like, well, making all of them useful or almost all of them useful. I think I said three or four spells that I, I'm still not sure about. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought that was was great, and he did uh, quite a good job. Um, the other thing is the new missions, which is just like it's just great, like. When you're buying a book now, like if, I feel like if you're just a brand new person and you're wondering what we're even talking about, because we're always referencing this previous edition, which you never played, like just think about it that this new edition is cleaner to like the rules are cleaner, that it, it has multiple players, which a lot of uh, miniature games don't, don't do well. Well, this yeah, game allows sense. three or four players to get a bunch of your friends, come, come together and play it. Uh, the spells, are, and the, the warband are much uh, better balanced, right? A lot of the, um, yeah, the- You don't have to buy a pile of books to play it. Like with 40K, you've got to buy your pile of codexes and other stuff, which yeah. was almost slightly the case with Frostgrave before, because there was to clean up the game, like the additional mm -hmm. books would add some of the rules that are now just built into this book. Yeah. So you don't need lots of books to play the game. Yeah, it's just a one-stop shop. And now it has like literally 20 missions, different missions that have a different theme and a different story and everything. Uh, so it just really like, um, you have so much gameplay in this book. Like just going through 20 missions, that's 20 games. That's like, like if you get through all of those missions, that's, that's a lot of gameplay right there. And, and you get to, to experience your, your warband growing. It's, it's great. I think this is, totally worth the the price and the book is beautiful right the, like the artwork is beautiful it's it's really great yeah if, if we didn't mention before the other expansion books are all the missions that come with them are all good you may not need the other parts of them as much but the missions are still completely viable from yeah and he didn't invalidate yeah he, he didn't invalidate any of the other books basically not, not the whole book but yeah, basically every single book uh, is has great content, like the missions and, and especially like thematic missions. I think we we re we finished the, like the Lich Lord, which is like I think it's the ten, the crowd favorite, mm -hmm. which is like ten missions, right? And that itself is worth the price of that book, right? And then it adds a couple of units that you can add, right? So overall, like yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with this book and the amount of content that you get when you when you pick this up and of course 
This is like, in my opinion, my second favorite game out there. If not vying for the first, my, my first favorite, it's definitely top two of the games that I play, right? Um, especially for the fact, I think what really helps it is the fact that you can play like three or four people in, on one table. It's really rare to do that well in uh, miniature games. Yeah, absolutely. It worked because it's yeah. a skirmish game, it actually it can work. Yeah, and um, and of, of course, just like the relaxed storytelling gameplay just makes, helps assuage all of your uh, try-hard aesthetics. <laughs> so everyone is not as, uh, you know, like trying to, they don't, because of the way that the, the game kind of encourages you to play, the it's going to make you less likely to, to like rage and try to like just totally crush your opponent and not care about the story or, or, or that kind of thing. So it, it kind of encourages you just to play for fun, which is really like why we play these games. So in the first edition, mm-hmm. like the leveling up of your wizard requires obtaining experience. And the first edition, a bunch of that experience would come from just straight up murdering your opponent through spells. But now that's been removed. Yeah, no so longer. that changed actually in, like, we, you talked about needing other books to play the previous book, and that actual change came in Maze of Malcor, which is one of the expansions. And so for the last, I think it's year or two, we've been playing with that kind of idea, right, of how we played. And I think actually we house-ruled the, a change before that. Awesome. Or was it just gentleman's agreement? It might have just been a gentleman's agreement not to get that much XP from... Oh, we ta- we topped it out or something. Yeah, we didn't. We may not have decided all these before we even played the games. Sometimes <laughs> we may have just made. <laughs> yeah, we're just like you know what we don't like this. But like when it happened in Maze of Malcor, that was that just changed the entire dynamics of the game because it didn't make in the previous version of the game. It just made sense to make your wizard as good as possible at murdering your opponent's wizard. Yeah, rather than you got doing so cool. much XP from that. Yeah, it wasn't. A- and yeah, it became less about manipulating the battlefield, less about buffing your soldiers, which is less complex. So it becomes, it's not as interesting when you're just out there just using your magic gun to shoot everybody. <laughs> yes. It's just not that deep. But now that you have to like think back and forth between if you're going to put a buff on a guy early in the game, it's going to mm-hmm. act for the whole game. If you're going to try yeah. and slow their movement down through a certain area, like there's all yeah. sorts. Once, once it's not about just leveling up like murder, yeah, but through cool. murder. Now you don't get that much leveling through murder. You get a, a bit, but only, but not for murdering your opponent. So now the focus is all about getting the treasure or doing like every mission generally has a special uh, a scenario, board, uh, yeah, like that. Uh, objectives, right? And now it's all about the objectives, which changes the entire gameplay, right? Yeah, yeah. Now the mission's more important, which is I really like that yeah. style of game. Yeah. So do we want to? Um, yeah, and also this? that really helps because if you're not the type of person that just wants to like murder your opponent, you can still enjoy Frostgrave, right? You can almost enjoy Frost. You can enjoy Frostgrave with, even if you don't like the idea of crushing your opponent to dust, because the best warbands are actually the ones that can just complete the objective and leave. Even sometimes, even with the the fewest amount of casualties, like the fewest attempts at murdering your opponent as possible. Like a, yes. a totally viable warband is uh, 
one that just is fast at going up, getting the treasure or doing the objective and getting out as fast as possible. Yeah, that's, right? that's how I used to play a lot in the first edition. My, yeah. my forces would take very little damage. Basically, yeah, and like, it wouldn't kill that much stuff. Don't, don't try to kill that stuff. Kill the enemy. Just grab the treasure and go. Well, yeah, you just you bring enough guys to intimidate your opponent in a, like around that treasure, and they're like, oh, not worth, it's not worth this fight. Because it's yeah. not about fighting to the death. It's about fighting for treasure. So if you sent yeah. five guys in and then two guys to go fight them off, they don't, they don't get anything from killing you. So they're just like, oh, I'll just, I'll just leave this to you, and they go yeah. do something else. And, and don't get me wrong. Also, another viable warband is you kill your opponent and then pick up the treasure after they're dead, after they can't fight back. So there is, you can still, if you are into murdering, you can still play that. But if you're not into murdering and you're just into like being sneaky and, and getting the stuff, almost like a thief, a magical thief, uh, that also is a great way to play. And, and the fact that it has these different styles of play really helps make the game um, it can appeal to, really to so many different people. Yeah. And and just more replayability if you want to play a different way. Like, oh, I've been playing I've been playing yeah, like the more players. battlefield manipulation yeah. through building walls and making mud uh-huh. to slow my ground down. You just want to play a different way where you're gonna like move the treasure, make your guys invisible, or make yourself like more hard to hit. You've got you've got that option open to you. Yeah, or murderating. So I have to say that another time. Or murdering your opponent, or buffing your but even the different types of murdering your opponent. You can be like, I'm going to buff up my uh, soldiers so that they can go in and, like, like we said, Conan can have his magic sword and his magic armor and be possessed by a demon so that he can just like cut a bloody swath through your opponent's uh, army. Or you can be like uh, throwing fireballs and, and if, if your opponent sticks his head out, you, you get, he catches a fireball. So he's got to back off and be worried about that. Yeah, or as you played in our, our first game of it, as the necromancer just keeps summoning all sorts of different demons. You can't summon multiple of the same undead. demon. Not demon. Oh, undead. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is also demons. someone who summons demons, who is a similar yeah. thing, but summoning demons, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can be a, basically like summon things to the battlefield all over the place. Not the same thing repeatedly, as I said, yeah. but you basically increase your numbers. Yeah, just to annoy the, the opponent and almost like harass them until they get to exhaustion. And then mm-hmm. you can try and like take the treasure off them as they're like basically exhausted, which is, is what happened, right? And and you wanna do you wanna talk about our impressions of the game that we played? Um yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so yeah, so we we we, we uh played a game, we, we rolled up some guys, tried out a lot of these roles. Um we did use warbands where uh, we could try out a lot of the different spells, and and right off the bat, uh, two things kind of were were interesting is that um, we couldn't I couldn't use as many uh, ranged units for my first warband as I normally could, uh, as I normally would, uh, and then the second thing is the apprentice is a little bit better at it's just overall a little bit better. And it's he's a little more bit, health. Yeah, it's more health. And in the game, you can spend health to cast your spells. So he's a little bit better at casting spells because of that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he, it was just, um, again, it's almost like the game is just more emphasizing on, on spells, right? On the wizards, right? And then all the spells I took, like none of the spells I took were, were duds. Like I took some interesting new spells that I was wondering about and some old spells that I hardly ever used before. 
And because some of the overpowered spells were like not overpowered anymore, it encouraged me to use some of these spells that were like, were, were decent, but just not as good as some of the other ones. So uh, in terms of, um, like you were saying, like the necromancer, I was playing a necromancer, the ability just to summon things to bug your opponent so they can't just run away. Like throughout the game, I kept on summoning uh, zombies uh, and I used the, uh, so basically the idea is my necromancer uh, would summon all these different you know, possible creatures. So I summon zombies uh, uh, to come and harass you. And of course you cut them down easily, but I kept on summoning them. Yeah, I couldn't leave with the treasure because I had to like yeah. do a round of fighting and then another one would appear from either the wizard or the apprentice, which yeah. would then have to be fought off. And not just that, but there's uh, Bones of the Earth, which was always a decent spell, but because... Uh, yes, the skeleton hand that reaches up from the yeah, ground to grab you. And stops you from moving away. Uh, because there are not the other spells that were just like direct damage and stuff that kind of overshadowed them, I was like, actually, this is a pretty good spell. So it'd be, it, just by there not being overpowered spells, it made Bones of the Earth a much better pick. And I got to play it, and it was interesting, right? Like, I locked down uh, a couple of people by summoning these so they couldn't run away. And uh, another one, and then a new spell, right, where they replaced a spell, uh, a previous spell, uh, is uh, Animated Skull, which means that now uh, you could throw a, uh, a really weak, uh, uncontrolled Skeleton. creature, so it's like a monster, six inches away right and it's just this animated skull that runs after people and tries to bite them but like as soon as it takes damage it just dies right and it's not a good fighting but again like you said it just stopped you from running away you had you had to take that turn to like smack it in the head right which was uh really interesting and by the fact that it was only six you could only throw it six inches it also made it interesting because um my wizards had to get pretty close to you to actually use that spell Yes, they did, which meant you probably wanted to have their enemy tied up before you started tying them up more. Yes, exactly. Uh, so it was important to have the zombies to run uh, or, or the uh, forward so that even though my wizard was pretty close to you, uh, you couldn't just, like, kill him because of that. So mm -hmm. that was – I really liked that. Like, and, and now it changed the dynamic of the necromancer, right? Uh, it was – it was really enjoyable, right? The new spells and the old spells. It was, it really did feel like um, you could build more of a theme to your, You could build more of a theme to your wizard rather than having to make sure you just relied yeah. on the same thing. Yeah, the same spell over casting it over and over. And I did cast like a bunch of spells multiple times, but at the mm -hmm. same time, I think of all the spells I chose. Right, you start off with eight spells. I think I said I casted. I tried to cast every single one of my spells. I failed some, I failed two of them, right? Trying to cast them. Uh, but I literally, throughout the game, I tried to cast every single one of my spells, which is great, right? It, it, whereas before, if you had like a really strong spell, you would just spam that spell. But there were points where I wanted to cast every single one. Yeah, so I think there was only one spell where I never cast because that spell was Suggestion, which is one of the new ones, where you make your enemy just drop the treasure they were carrying and then walk a little away. 
but yeah. because you picked up treasure that wasn't really in my view or close uh-huh. enough that I could do much to it, it just wasn't that necessary. Yeah. Also, I was relying heavily on mind control because mind control competes with that spell. Or yeah. rather than just the person to drop it, you tell them bring it to me. <laughs> yes, so, and then drop it. Yeah, it depends what school of wizard you've got too. That your school may not take both of those. Uh-huh. So, in particular, school doesn't want both of those. Then yeah, take and, but there is something with suggestion. Like, there's two things that make even though you have mind control as a is it called a suit? What what was your guy called? It was a soothsayer. Yeah, so because the chair has mind control, which is super powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just as powerful as it has been uh, since, uh, I don't know, again, like it used to be mind control was not very good, but again, there was some sort of expansion that basically allowed uh, any spell that casts, that uses will to need, uh, to have a minimum, uh, like, so basically whenever you cast certain spells, some of them can be uh, resisted by the opponent and so there was a change where, and it's variable depending on, on the role you cast, but there was some change that made the minimum uh, will roll needed by a person to resist the spell 14. And at that point, my control became awesome, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's still as strong as it was ever. Well, it's actually a little bit weaker because you can't just walk off the, the, the table and get the treasure anymore. True. You can't mind control a guy and then walk off, which is that's, great. That's quite important. That's quite an important change. But it's still a very, very strong spell. Um, but I found like, even with that, it still makes sense sometimes to have a suggestion for two reasons. Um, suggestion, if you mind control one person, uh, you can't mind control a second person. So, Not without giving the first one up, no. So you might want to yeah. keep, you might want to keep yeah. your... Mind controlled lackey, yeah. And then, then if you have suggestion as well, then you can still use that spell to affect other people, even if you had mind control. And I do remember this being a deal with one of my soothsayers in the first edition, where I would mind control one person, and until that person broke mind control or ran off the board, um, I basically had no attack spell because <laughs> that was like my only attack spell. So I had to like. Uh, so having two different ways to affect the board, even if you have your mind control up, um, yeah. is really useful. And the second is suggestion works on your own, your friendly units. So it can literally give you additional movement. Yes, it can. Yeah, so, that, so, so that's the kind of thing. Like Joe has really thought about like the, the second edition. It's really most of the spells on every single wizard makes sense, right? Like every single spell is useful and, and different depending on your wizard and what access you have to. You, 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 I could see myself choosing any of these spells depending on the, the spells that I really want to take. It might mean that I want to choose, you know, well, you may want some almost buff any of the spells. You might want some buff spells you use early in the game before you actually mm-hmm. start like the main combat part and start shooting each other. So you get a couple buffs yeah. up in the first two rounds as you're running up. And then as the yeah. combat starts, you start shoot, shooting like your fireballs, your mind controlling things across mm-hmm. the board. So yeah. like each yeah. stage of the game, different things can happen. Yeah, and if you don't have, like generally you want some sort of movement thing to move yourself faster. But if you're a soothsayer and you don't have, or because you, know, you only have a certain number of spells to start off with eight, you don't necessarily want to take all of one type of, uh, you, you still need a movement buff and suggestion could be the movement buff you take, right? To get that extra three inches. 
right? Yeah, so you could take fleet feet, but you could also just make do a yeah, suggestion. Exactly, use suggestion and then take and use that other spell slot to take a spell that you really need, let's say fog, so that you can stop people from, uh, you know, seeing things or, or, or maybe you want to use a, uh, you know, a couple of those chronomancer spells that were really not good. They really buffed them up. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you might want to end up taking like, uh, like time walk. that got a big buff. Yeah. Yeah, time Four walk times exactly. Had very little use, but now I, I see it could be very interesting. Yeah, time walk literally used to be just if you wanted to move an extra six inches, <clears throat> or extra three point five inches. That's all it basically did, and now it allows you to cast two spells in one turn. Yes, that's a huge um, buff at the cost of not moving the rest of your army. But if your army, like for a late game, when your the rest of your army might be like run off the board with the treasure. Or just beaten down, you know. Like I don't need. Well, they're not there's so anyway. many combos that can happen, but in one turn you can cast multiple spells, right? Oh yeah, when you can move in and out, when you can not like leave yourself exposed at the end of your turn, it's big. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's the kind of thing, right? So, it, like I said, so many spells, almost all of them are useful. That really added a lot to the game. Um, we did play a new mission. The, the new mission was fun. It was interesting. Uh, and, and again, like one of the great things, like because the game is about storytelling, any kind of mission, new mission, like it's new rules, but because it's only on that one mission, it's not something you really have to memorize. So like in a lot of uh, miniature games, um, there's a lot of like the interest comes from the special rules in the core game. And that means that to play the game, you need to memorize a lot of stuff. But because Frostgrave is more narrative, a lot of the interesting rules that makes every single mission you play uh, interesting is rules for the mission itself, which means you only have to remember, like you can remember the core set of rules, which are, are relatively less complicated. Uh, and then you only need to remember the rules for any one mission, like a lot of the things that make it that add that special spice is from the mission rules. And then you can just uh, learn those mission rules themselves, right? For that mission. And you don't have to memorize it because next time you're going to play a different mission. And it also helps keep things fresh because now there are like, it's gotta be over a hundred missions at this point. Probably if you've got 20 from the, from the base book, then 10 from yeah. Bob Litchlord, you're at 30. And how many other books have come oh, maybe, out? Maybe, okay, maybe, maybe you're not at 100. Maybe I six, don't think you're at 100. Six other books with like They, six they don't all, yeah. They, uh, some have 10, some have six, some have 12. So I don't, I'm not sure where you're at 100. But it's, okay. it's a lot anyways. <laughs> like we've played uh, quite a bit of Frostgrave and we haven't played all the missions. So. Oh, no. All right. So maybe on to some more like technical things. So in this edition, he implemented a lot more limits to things for mm-hmm. your bonuses. That many things will like you get bonuses for having more guys in combat, putting spell buffs on, and your just the base abilities of the soldiers. Mm-hmm. So now like your maximum fight plus bonus has been capped out at plus 10, yeah. I believe. Yes. So, and I really like uh, this. I really like that specific cap because it helps um, 
So, so there's, there's two things, right? Generally, you're not going to get in general to 10, right? So first of all, it's not going to be a huge deal most of the time, but there are certain things where things got a little bit out of hand, right? If you got like a lot of bonuses, right? Like let's say you have a guy who's plus seven fight and then you triple team someone, you get like a 14, a plus 14 or plus 15 bonus. And literally you almost certainly win the fight. And then because you have a plus 15 bonus, you're doing tons of damage. And yeah. so it kind of just brings the uh, extreme things down. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, uh, again, just like the spells where, where the most powerful spells are brought down a notch, um, it means that the viable uh, strategies like even though it seems like it's a limit, it actually increases the number of viable strategies that you can use to play the game because it's less likely that, you know, like trying to just super buff someone to go and kill things are, is super powerful, right? Yeah, there's no longer, you're no longer aiming just to build up a one-shot kill troop, mm-hmm. which can be extremely effective or just trying to like shoot from tons of guys. You can now like make more use of strategy because yeah. the fights are going to be more even, a little more even. And to be fair, this generally didn't come up. And even when it came up, it was generally only like plus two or plus three difference than, than how it is now. But one of the things I think that really, um, that I think is kind of like, besides just the fact that it limits, you know, those few times where it gets kind of crazy um, and, and kind of nips in the bud, the idea of super buffing someone uh, as a, as a thing. Uh, it also means that it's just easier to calculate because, you know, to at, a certain to, point, yeah. at a certain point, you just stop counting. You're like, oh, I hit this number. Okay, I can stop counting my bonuses. Yeah, exactly. Like, at a certain point, yeah, when you, once you get to 10, you don't have to worry about it. And sometimes you can get a lot of bonuses, especially if you're outnumbering someone. So it just means, it just helps the, the game flow a little bit faster, depending on your bonuses. Uh, and again, of course, it, it's, it's on the edges, but I felt like, I felt like it's a, a, a decent uh, thing to put in there. Uh, and also 10 is a nice number. So, yeah, so other, it's easy to remember. That, yes, it is. It makes the math easy, everything else easy. The other thing for capping is you capped the number of the amount of bonus you can get from teaming up on people, mm-hmm. which I think was good in that things would come on different base sizes because it's miniature agnostic. Mm-hmm. So if you played, we're playing with 25 millimeter bases or maybe like 40 millimeters, if you've got some giant like crocodile soldiers, Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a big downside to the bigger soldier that he could be easily surrounded and it's just easier to get bonuses on the like things yeah. that have bigger bases. But now you're like, okay, there's a maximum number of people that are going to gang up for bonuses on one troop. Yeah, so you get plus six. So so technically that's four people ganging up on one person. Now I feel yeah. like this doesn't necessarily happen as much uh, uh, like army to army. But where it does change things decently is against boss monsters. So there's a bunch of mi- a bunch of missions where you're uh, trying to kill a super buffed monster, uh, and actually it becomes because they're you know they're not intelligent. Like when you're playing against a, an opponent, they know that you're trying to surround them with five guys. So they're, they're not going to give you the chance to surround their like I don't know important person with five guys you can just steamroll them right no they're not doing that then they'll just rush over and get the other treasures but a dumb super boss monster is not smart right it doesn't have that strategy it's like literally run by like a simple ai right 
it won't put a whole bunch of other troops into contact with you <laughs> and then move in to make the final blow. It'll just walk at you with no bonuses exactly. and then let you surround it so that... With like, And especially the boss monsters, people would generally use large bases for, let's say, a giant demon. And then you just surround them with your entire warband, get like plus 15. And <laughs> every single guy you're fighting with, yeah. So even, uh, yeah, your, honestly, boss, even your thieves would start kicking them all these down. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's like a giant, evil, like super big demon. And you just, you basically just like dogpile the demon and kill him. Like even the thief is like stabbing him in the face for like 10 damage or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So now with only a maximum plus six, that means that's, a, that's still a lot. And in general, that's not going to affect the general gameplay. But when you're fighting these boss monsters where it actually kind of happens a lot to, to outnumber it more than like basically to get uh, plus six is three guys. That means that you're four guys on one, right? It happened a lot to have more than four guys on the super boss monster. So now it basically stops that kind of thing. And again, if that ever happens where, you know, yeah, you might not even want to attack with your thieves. You may just want to attack with your better soldiers. Like you take your plus six and then like your plus four from your, your knights, your Templars, your barbarians, you just attack with them. You, you maybe don't try your luck with the thieves on the giant boss demon. You so, surround so, him, but you don't try yeah. to fight. So, so here's my question, though. Um, so now plus six is actually a big deal in, in some ways because it means that, like you said, the, th- the thug can only get up to, like, plus eight, right? And the thief mm-hmm. can only get to plus seven. Um, but he also added in the plus ten overall bonus issue. So my question is, in general, do you think that he needed that that we need both of these limiters? When you think about it, like a thief is already a plus seven, is it that big of a deal that they get the, the extra plus three to plus ten? Or is just the plus ten limiter enough? Uh, I think the gang up bonus is more important. But mm-hmm. the, as you said before, like the plus ten just allows you to cut some guy down right away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, it, they, it's true. In general, to get to plus 10, you generally needed the gamut bonus. So I think they're serving different purposes, which yeah, makes so me think I, that's all right. Again, though, like, here's one of those things where, where the number of limits is just another thing someone has to remember, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the question is, in general, when you're talking about a new player or even like the same player, right, the amount of effort they need to, to know or remember all the rules becomes oh. a rules burden on playing the game that is not really the reason why people play miniatures games right people don't play miniatures games to remember all the rules the the rules are supposed that as much as like you want to free up your players to have to think about the specifics of the rules as little as possible so they can concentrate on the strategies and things like that right so um if you already are having a plus 10 cap that is generally covering off um, the problems with gang up bonus. Do you, I, I just wonder if you really need the plus six. Like I do agree if you didn't have the plus 10, you would need the plus six. But since you have the plus 10, I feel like they didn't need to have the plus six max. And that's just another thing you have to remember. Well, the gang of bonus stops your basically garbage troops from becoming elite. Uh-huh. So I think that's important. So yeah, I think the game of it does. It does. And that is a, an interesting thing, right? So mm-hmm. I, I could see that argument. So, um, 
think they had two different enough purposes that it's worthwhile. And they're, right. they're core enough to the rules. It's not like some yeah. sort of corner situation. I think both are core enough to the rules that they're worth being there. Okay. Um, I guess the other th- another thing is um, along the same lines, I do like the idea, like the, the tweaks and everything like that. And, and those two limits I thought were great. Um, I guess this is one of the, 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 the few small niggling things that I, I uh, that I'm still either tentative or, or even not as happy about uh, is uh, to help balance things. There were a lot of additions to uh, limits on, uh, on different rules or spells. Right. And so like we said here, like there's these two things on, um, maximum combat bonus and uh and gang gang up bonus uh there's another thing with uh the ability to limit um so the spells became more complicated like there's more rules involved in each spell now Mm. which i think was for it helped add to the balance but now each spell is much more complicated and part of what i think you're getting at is that to balance them he adjusted range bands and adjusted, it was a lot of range bands and then adjusted like conditions where they could be cast, which some of them are useful because you yeah. need to address it in an FAQ otherwise, but yeah. some of them are just the balancing element. Yeah. And to me, like some of the range bands, I felt like, I think range bands in general are good uh, overall, but some of them I feel like um, when you're doing range bands, I felt like the the actual distance to some of the range bands was a little bit too specific. Too, there's too many different range bands. So there was like spells that are three, uh, six, and then there's also though like 12. There's probably some fours going on. 15, yeah. 14 and 16. And I think there was a fifth, yeah, 14 and 16. So, and there's 18, I believe. And I'm like, do you really need that many? Like, like, it's one again. It's just one of those memory things. Like, if you have specific breakpoints, in my opinion, you you can clear off a lot of those balance things with not adding the the memorization or specific cognitive load onto the player. Like the difference between 14, 12, 14, and sixteen. Generally, as I saw the spells, I think a lot of those things could be broken down to like either twelve or sixteen. And as we 16, about, 24, and maybe 6, right? 6, 12, yeah. 16, 24. I think that could cover off the balance issues with all the spells uh, rather than having to uh, add in the smaller increments, right? Because as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast for the terrain rules, you're really not supposed to see more than 12 all that often. Uh-huh. So the fact that it needs all these little tiny increments for what should be corner situations of seeing really far, mm-hmm. it just, as I said before, corner situations shouldn't need that many extra rules to be dealt with. Yeah. And, and especially, yeah, like, like 14, 16, 18, I feel like you could have just folded that into 16, right? Yeah. Or 12, right? And just looking at the spells, like a grenade, it would be fine at 12 inches, right? You go from 12, 16, then the maximum of 24. Yeah, exactly. So I think that would have been 
fine and it would help me not have to memorize, oh, I'm casting grenade. Oh, that's actually not, that's 15, 14. Oh, I'm casting uh, fireball. Oh, that's 16. Oh, I'm casting- uh, Strike dead. Strike dead is 12? No, eight. eight. Yep. Is eight. Oh, I'm casting, uh, what's last? Uh, so bones of the earth, that is 18. Yeah, if it was just 12, 16, 6, 12, 16, I think you could, maybe it's not exactly the thing, but it basically covers things out. And literally, once people are playing with it, they don't even remember that, you know, before it would be a, a different distance, and it just ends up making sense, whichever number you choose. A lot of the times, they're a little bit arbitrary. As long as the, the range is overall, there's an option for that range, the difference is, is generally arbitrary. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of other things you can do to tweak the kind of thing. So I, I felt like that was one thing that I, a little bit of negative, um, just adding the extra memorization and stuff for the different spells. Um, yeah. Oh, well. That's, yeah, there's also something about, uh, there's a, a little bit that in, in the main rules too, there are some like limits that I'm like, well, I don't think you, like I, I mentioned the, the gamut rule, although I could agree that maybe it's better they have both, but there's a, a couple of other things where I'm like, maybe you don't need those limits. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so why don't we, just to finish this off, let's go through, I just want to go through the different parts of the book and the different uh, spells and things, and just like a, almost like a, like a, a top 10 list of favorite and least favorite, right? Or uh, just a, a list of things. So um, first things first is the first thing we talked about. Well, one of the first things we talked about is the art. So uh, what, in your opinion, is your favorite piece of art? Uh, well, as I said, I basically crunched off giant chunks of the book. Uh -huh. So without going and reading through it now, it would be very, there is one piece I know is my favorite, but I can't off the top of my head remember it. So anyways, I don't know if that helps our listeners much either. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh, I will describe my favorite one is that like, so uh, that I really liked is the picture. There's a picture of a wizard who is using parchment or books to walk up to get to the top of a library to so, get like a top shelf book without using those long ladders that generally so that would be that would be the new bridge spell i guess yes that's the new bridge spell right the idea of the new bridge spell uh so it's a specific spell but just the art that's the thing that really made me like say oh wow this is actually pretty cool and characterful and different like whereas in the old one, there's a lot of combat stuff just happening. This one is like really characterful and sells the, the idea, right? It's, it's literally not a combat. It's not about the fighting, but it's, it evokes the uh, spell, how it works. And then it also is just an interesting uh, look at, into uh, what the wizards are trying to do, right? Pick up treasure. And then on top of that, uh, the new design for this is the, um, it's the sigilist, right? So this is a different design for the sigilists I found really uh, great and interesting. So the characters, uh, costume is great, the spell is great, and, and just the, the art, the, the, the atmosphere is great for that one. So that's my favorite piece. And I think that's gonna be a lot of people's favorite piece, I think. 
Okay. All right. You're looking up your favorite piece right now? I am. I might be able to find it. I might not be able to. I keep <laughs> Every time I went back and looked for it, I would keep missing it. All right. Even when I was reading the book the first time. My second favorite piece is the greater, the new greater demon. Uh, it's just a picture of a monster, and I just found like the monster really interesting. And it's it looks like a demon, right? It's a big, a big, long limbed monster, and I just with like bumpy, scaly kind of skin. I just really liked the look coming out of my different portal. than the, the demon warrior who's carrying the sword and shield. Uh, yes, it's different than that one. Yeah, so it's, it's literally just a big red ass demon with claws and shit. And I, I just like the look of it. Right. So that was my second favorite piece. Okay. So other things you really liked? I guess the oh, special soldiers we already said. We really liked the, the restriction. Oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay. So one thing that we didn't talk about is the fact that with the differentiation of the special soldiers and the uh, standard soldiers, uh, a bunch of like the standard soldiers are not just thugs. Right? There's a bunch of other ones that are, are interesting right? in standard, and especially if you look into the expansion books, a lot of yep. the uh, other soldiers that were of marginal use are now useful because they're standard soldiers, right? Because you'd always use the specialist version of that soldier, whereas now like a man-at-arms is actually pretty good for a standard soldier. So here's my oh, question. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite standard soldier? Oh, it's probably the man at arms, but then the feet. I've got to start trying out the apothecary, but I think the apothecary is more when you play a certain play style, which I don't believe is my play style. So I think I'm going to be big on just thieves and man at arms. All right. So the idea is like a thief now is actually useful. You want to keep an warband because he's a standard soldier that moves seven. And a man at arms is just good at holding the line. They're like, um, they're like a mini knight, basically, right? Yeah, a little bit less good at fighting, a little bit less tough, uh, but they do move six, which which helps, right? Mm-hmm. So definitely um, a solid choice. Yeah, I think you, you mentioned my favorite, which is the apothecary. So the issue with the apothecary before is that you kind of just want to have seven rangers instead. Yes, keep the space with them. But now that like I can't I can't just fill my warband with rangers um, <laughs> and be a, a dirty tryhard. Uh, now I want to take that apothecary, right? Who well, every once in a while I did take in the previous game, but now I'm like, yeah, this is a solid choice. So when my wizard casts their spells and like cuts themselves to be able to pull off a big spell, my apothecary can be like, here, sir, have a potion and and feel better. Yeah, because someone, someone has to pick up the treasure all the time, and often, two of the treasures will be close to you, mm-hmm. so you don't have to run super fast to get those. Mm-hmm. So maybe your apothecary goes over, grabs those, yes. and then for the rest of the game, because you don't want to be fighting with your treasure-carrying dude, mm-hmm. then switch to, switch to just have the apothecary heal you, then yeah. the job is done. Yeah, so basically, the way I did it was, uh, in, in a previous game, is uh, I used my apothecary, uh, I use a thief to pick up a treasure, and then uh, during the battle, like my wizard would cut to be able to cast spells, and then my apothecary went over and healed up my wizard, and then the person that was carrying my treasure dropped the treasure in a safe spot, and then my apothecary just bolted to pick up the treasure and leave after he used his potions, which is, I don't know, I feel like it makes sense for the apothecary, and it worked great. 
And now that it's not taking up the spot of a ranger, of uh, Aragorn, it's it's fine. It's great. Um, all right. Uh, I I haven't looked over all the new missions, so I don't think we can say what is your favorite new mission. No, I haven't looked through them either. I, I just like playing them. I like that they're a surprise. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, okay, what is your favorite um, new spell? Brand new spell. Do you know? Oh, not not revised spell? <laughs> yeah, that'll be the next question. So, la la la. Read through. I have written down a whole bunch of the changes. Suggestion I thought was quite interesting, but I don't think I would declare it as my favorite. I think, not bridge. Oh, so True Sight is now new, is it not? No, it's not new. No? It's, that's a that's a revised one. You know what? Oh, Fine. Favorite revised favorite revised spell. Favorite revised spell. Oh, that's not your favorite revised spell either. But it's it's interesting, but not your favorite. Okay, favorite new spell I, first. Favorite new spell first. We'll finish that up topic, and then we'll go to favorite revised spell. Oh. It's probably a suggestion, honestly. I've looked through the whole thing right cool. now. I like suggestion. Uh, so suggestion is the, the one that makes your opponent, well, makes the person drop the treasure, and then you can move them three inches, which is yes. interesting. Um, for me, I feel like the two ones that are um, interesting to me are um, drop the, the blink spell, which is you cast on someone uh, and then they randomly move four inches in a random direction, which I find kind of hilarious. <laughs> the idea that you're like, oh, I'm falling beyond. Maybe I should just try and blink them. Or the other thing is uh, what happens if you blink someone on a bridge? I don't know. They'll fall off. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, on more boards, you have lots of bridges, which yeah. makes it happen. Not everybody's boards are going to have all the bridges. But so. now they should, because it's awesome to blink someone on a bridge. Um, so it's either that one or the one I just mentioned before, Animate Skull. I think both of those are interesting. All right. Actually, the thing that was, was a lot more, uh, that, that there were a lot more of, is the revised spells. So what's your favorite revised spell? I think it's Poison Dart, only because I'm biased because I wanted to play a Witch. Uh -huh. And as their direct attack spell, it didn't cause any damage before. Yeah. Which made it trash. <laughs> you don't want trash shooting spells, especially in the previous edition. Well, yeah. no, even though, as we said, in this edition, you, need, you have less shooting from your soldiers. So now you want it from your wizard. Thus, you yeah. really... So it changed from, I think it was a plus five, but if it hits, hits the person, they just lose an action. Yeah. Right, which is poison. It's the poison rule. Uh, now the new one is it's only plus three, but that's a damage spell first of all. So that, but if they damage, if you damage them, they also stand, still lose that action. So you get like two less chance of damaging them, but you actually damage them, so you can kill someone with it if you need to, and then it also slows them down. So like if if they have a treasure, uh, like a a treasure guy who's who's like low health, you can. It de like a, th a thief, which is not that high fight, it definitely makes sense to shoot that, that thing, right? 
to stop them from going anywhere. Yeah, yeah it's a great spell. Um, I am also, there's so many different spells that are so interesting, right? So um, I liked, uh, I'm just, I liked um, the change to leap, which is actually a debuff, but it's literally the one that we, we put it, we implemented. Where you can't leap at full speed when you're carrying treasure to just yes, get away. Exactly. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, and I like the new uh, fool's gold. Which technically it's an entirely new spell, actually, um, right? It, it doesn't act like the old spell at all, even though it's the same name. Uh, but my favorite one is curse, again a witch spell. So it used to be that curse they they it it gives them a minus one to all the rolls, but they get a will roll to resist it right before you like when you cast it. They have a will roll to resist it, and then only if it succeeds they get a minus one to all. Now, it goes off no matter what. It gives them a minus two, and it gives them a minus two to all the rolls, which is very, very strong. If you cast it on your wizard, that person has minus two for the entire round, and then only at the very end of the round can they roll the will roll to resist it. Yeah, before it was minus one, but you could get get it to stack, but that'd be so many casting rolls. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't worth it. So now not only does it happen immediately, but it also, uh, without a will roll, affecting them for at least that turn, uh, it starts off with minus two. So again, a great new witch spell. I, I really like, like the witch got, I think, three buffs. Uh, the, the, uh, the animal companion, by the way, I, I posted this on uh, the Frostgrave uh, forums and Joe responded. Uh, you can take a barbarian as a, not barbarian. You can take the new bear as a standard uh, creature, which is really strong because the new bear is better than a specialist creature. So you can only take one animal companion, but it takes up a uh, standard slot, and that standard creature is now stronger than a specialist creature. It is now really good. It's yeah, better than one of the specialists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I'm like, wow, that's amazing. So, uh, yeah, the witch got a lot of buffs, which is kind of crazy because witch was my favorite before. Oh, yeah, oh but to be fair, fog became weaker. So Yeah, it goes away more easily. So. Yeah, it goes away more easily, so you can't just fog up and like hide behind that. So there was got a little bit weaker, but like three of other spells became stronger, which is Now it's just like, which spell do you want to choose as a witch? You can only choose three of them at, to yeah. start with, yeah. All right. Um, what now? I did mention there were three or four spells uh, that I felt um, weren't that great. So I do want to say because I'm always about apparently my, my friends say I'm always about the negativity and tearing things down. What is the the spell uh, the, your least favorite spell now? Either the one that you you wish could, should could have changed, or uh, one where you think the change was not to your liking. Or maybe so even just, yep. I think the scatter shot before we found was kind of weak. Yeah. And it just stayed really weak. It, you want to be able yeah. to scare your opponent if they try and surround you, it's actually really scary. Yeah. So scatter shot is a spell that like allows you to attack everyone within 12 inches, what 
and line of sight, which is sound strong, mm -hmm. except that it's like in a plus zero attack and they get cover from it, which basically means like, even if you're surrounded by six or seven guys, you're going to do like generally one or two damage. And before, did Scattershot actually need line of sight? It was just an area effect. Before. So, so we used to play, so, so at the very beginning, it was actually decent because we played it that it did not need line of sight and it ignored cover because it didn't need line of sight, right? It's just a magic attack. Uh, but then it got errated at some point to be needing line of sight and, and a magic attack, and that basically nerfed it into oblivion and it became useless after that. And even when it didn't require line of sight, uh, because it was within, you had to shoot it within 12 inches, that means your wizard had to be within 12 inches of all these people, which if like five, to make it useful, if five people were within 12 inches of your wizard, you're kind of a little bit in trouble. <laughs> yeah, because Wanda may be closer, which means now they can run into combat with yeah, you and exactly. that's, the your, that's the end of your casting. And it's only plus zero fight. So actually the chances of it winning a lot of people, it was, don't get me wrong, it was a good spell when that, when that we thought that's the way the rules were, but because there was a rata that meant it needed line of sight and uh, it was a ranged attack, which means players got cover, uh, the chances of it actually doing damage dropped dramatically. Like you're literally yeah, fishing for a 20 to damage someone. Yeah, and especially because the elementalist has so many other good spells. Yes, exactly. You really almost always it. would rather shoot a fireball. Yeah. And, and it, it required the same casting role and a fireball, you target a guy and everyone with one and a half gets hit by it. It was a similar thing, easier to cast, has longer range. It was just generally better. Although technically the new fireball is only 16 inch range. So maybe maybe the scatter shot is slightly more, like the, the narrowing of the difference is slightly closer, but I still don't see anyone like want that. I don't see why anyone would take scatter shot when you can use fireball. Yeah, so was there anything else you think might take the top rank for spell? I think Scattershot is literally the worst spell now. Most underwhelming? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the other ones are the other... Uh, so some of the... There's some situational ones. I guess if you're playing through missions where you're mostly dealing with undead or controlling animals. Uh, those are actually really good when they come up. And now you've got to actually, think... Now that more monsters come on, now it's... Yeah more than twice as likely the monster comes on. It means it's more yep. than twice as likely you just got control of some creature. Yeah, so it actually is uh, significantly more useful than it so was to be before. Fair, it just and, doubled it. Yeah. It just doubled And they are marginal so. spells, right? The idea is you have that spell, and it's in your back pocket, and it doesn't happen always. But when it happens, it's very good, right? Yeah, if you know you're playing that campaign that's the Lich, uh, the Lich Lord, that's oh, full of undead. Yeah, control undead like, is so good in the Lich like, Lord. Yes, yes, please. Well... We'll build this demon control yeah. or undead control. And technically control animal, like there's a lot of animals in the, the base thing. So yeah. it's also quite a good one. I think uh, control's the, construct is the least good one out of those. Yeah. So I think one of the other underwhelming ones that only got a tiny buff was explosive rune. No, it got a huge place, buff. But you can go within four inches of it. Yeah, that's a huge buff. The biggest problem before was if you laid the rune, you can't, you couldn't move and then lay the rune down because it's base to base contact, which means if anyone moves within base contact of it, it blows up in your face. Now yeah. you can move, lay it in front of you, and if they try and come up on you, if they try and like engage you, they, they get hit by the rune and you don't get hit by the rune, which is a huge buff. 
Yes. I think it. I think it actually makes it useful. Yep. Whereas before it was like so hard to use well, right? It's like <laughs> you're defending where you used to be. So like I guess if you're retreating, it's useful. But like yeah, so now before it was just laying mines, which was quite underwhelming. But now you can actually like lay the mine in front of you. Yeah, to protect you from moving after you've moved, which is no, you don't have to move away. You can be in cover shooting things. Yeah. And then rather than having to expose yourself, place it, then come back, you can just lay it out. Yeah, exactly. Your opponent to hit on the way in and not. Yeah, you don't have to put it where you used to be. You can put it where in front of you to protect you from them advancing on you, which is a big yeah. thing. I think I think the three weakest ones I I, I, I thought were scatter shot. Um, what's the other one? Like the explosion version of the um, elementalist, where you have to be like within three inches. And it does a plus five magic attack. It's like a plus five magic attack against every other person within three inches. And again, that's just like so marginal because. Uh, Once you're surrounded by enough guys to make that worth it, you're in so much trouble that you should really. Yes. Considering yeah, exactly. It's, it's still weaker than the shoot attack of elemental bolt. Uh, and you have to be within three inches of them. And uh, then you, if you, it's only plus five, so it might not kill them. And in general, if the enemy has gotten within three inches of you, there's a lot, most of those cases, they've also just engaged you. Yeah, so that's destructive sphere we're talking about. Yeah, destructive sphere. So, and when you're engaged, you can't even cast a spell. So you're kind of screwed. So the most useful situation to cast this in? No, it doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen. So, uh, so I, th I felt like that, that spell is still underwhelming. Again, you can have Elemental Bolt. Why would you use that one? Uh, and then the other one is Strike Dead. I think, I think Strike Dead basically has all of these limits. This is the one that only costs... You, again, there has, there's range issues because you can only cast it within 8 inches. Um, and then on top of that... Um, you take a damage to cast it, and then basically it does damage. It it damages the uh, person you cast it on with the difference between their will roll and your casting roll, which is like minimum fourteen. So it's, it's oh, and and the biggest issue is it costs. It, it starts off with a casting roll of eighteen. Yes. So. Yeah. The question is, is it that much better than high plus shooting attacks? Well, it's not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? It's just not going to be as good as Elemental Bolt. And you need to spend so many of your levels to even get it to a point that's usable. The only way I see it usable is like in a scroll, right? Yeah. Where it, it might be useful. Um, but I guess it would be useful in that case. Um, but again, that, that's not very useful. And then the other one, it's actually funny. My, my four least useful spells are from two different, only two of the, the, the 10, uh, is the uh, Necromancer's Bone Dart, which was double nerfed. So it used to be like always taken. It was a plus five shooting attack. Uh, now it's only, now it's, uh, it used to be an eight cost plus five shooting attack. Now it, it requires a 10 to cast, which means to get it to the ease of casting level as it used to be, you have to spend two levels. And on top of that, it's only 12 inches. 
Yes. Literally cut its range in half. Which well, is, maybe, maybe the idea was to cut down the shooting part. Like of I felt just like trying it's to too, too much of a, a debuff. I felt like one or the other was probably enough to make it okay. Well, maybe the idea is to have the necromancer try and do other things other than just be a good Like shooter. it did. That's the other thing. Like I just said, those three other spells are great, right? And it yep. still has like, it has two, in my opinion, not great spells, but still the other eight spells it had, or six spells it has are still great. So it, yep, but, necromancer is fine, right? But I wish Bone Dart only got one or the other of those nerfs. And maybe when yep. we start playing it more, we'll will change one of those, right? Mm. My preferred one is just change it back to eight cost. But oh, okay, I would have gone with the range, but yeah. Make it ten cost and then twenty four? Maybe. Yeah, a couple of range one of those. Anyhow. Yeah. All right. Um, so we did that. All right. I guess the last thing, the last of the top ten whatever kind of favorites things. Uh, what is your new favorite uh, wizard? I was going to play Witch anyways, but is I think it your favorite, or is it just the one that you wanted to play? Just like, the one you want to play right? next because I built yeah. the models and for it. Played so many different wizards, so oh yeah, I played lots of different wizards. I played the Elementalist for a long time just because it was clearly extremely powerful from the powerful <laughs> shooting spells I had before. So yeah, Fireball Elementalist is fun. Wall, fireball, elemental bolt still works. So you're saying what seems to be the most interesting new one? I think the most interesting new one is the Chrono. Well, they're all the same wizards. So like, yeah, yeah. just all which one do you believe is overall your, 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 will become your new favorite? Even if you're the witch is your next warband, what do you think would be your overall favorite? If you could only play one wizard until the end of time out of the 10. I think with my play style, I just like the elementalist shooting power still. Oh, okay. His shooting shooting power is down. To be fair, all of his other spells are good. That you just they just end up usually get cut out because the shooting ones were so good before. (laughs) But like uh, the absorb attack and the uh, elemental hammer are great spells as well. Yeah, it was a good, just a good range of damage dealing. Yeah. He's not the most subtle thing to use, but... <laughs> hey, it works, it works. Fair yeah. enough. Um, I think my favorite is now... It, I think I don't think it's changed. I guess people just like gravitate to one kind of type of play style, but The Witch is my favorite. Um, it was my favorite before, and now it's just... It was my favorite before with using only a few spells, and off, uh, but now like all of the spells that I really, really wanted to use but we're just not very good, are now good. Like Animal Companion, Curse, and uh, Poison Dart, they're so good now that like I'm really excited to, like my next Warband is not gonna be a, uh, a Witch, but going back to it, uh, that's definitely my favorite now. I feel like I get to be the Witch that I always wanted to be. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So overall, you wanna summarize Last impressions, last thought of Frostgrave Second Edition? I think it's going to get lots more people to play just because it's more approachable with fewer books. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I think the game is great and arguably the best game out there that, that you can play. 
and so approachable to so many different people. Like, yeah, as we keep saying on every other, we haven't said the word infinity yet this podcast, so we'll <laughs> just say it once. But infinity is like super deep, but the, the barrier to entry is also very high for that reason and for the difficulty yeah. in acquiring models reason. Yeah. So it's hard to get people into infinity, but getting people into this game, very easy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's wizard, so your D&D, uh, like it's medieval, so your D&D miniatures work. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, you can play like with three or four people in one game, which is awesome. Although if they're all new, it's going to take you a little bit of time. But once you all can like, like know how to play, you can, you can zoom through like a three-player game in under two hours, which is great. Yeah, and you get to put on all that terrain that you love. Like it, it just hits all the spots, and it's story based. Like it's very different than Infinity, right? Like you have the campaign play; it, it totally sells it. Like if you are into D and D, and you kind of want something a little bit more competitive, right? So you can kind of smack your friends, but you still like the leveling up idea and the story based kind of game, and you, uh, and but you don't also want to dive into like super deep games. Like Frostgrave is definitely right up your alley. Yeah, and you really like the mini aspect of the games. Yeah, yeah and games. Second Edition is just so much tighter in general. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah, if you've uh, gotten to Frostgrave or you want to get into Frostgrave, you have any other questions, uh, give us a shout. Uh, find us on our Facebook uh, group or go to our website or do all those kind of things. Yeah, let us know what you're positive or negative about. We were, we were actually highly positive this time. I know. I'm going to send this podcast to all of my friends who are like, oh, you're so negative. You always talk about negative stuff about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so even though we did fit in some negative stuff, still overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. This has been Alan. Yeah, it's been Brandon. All right, one more thing. So if you enjoyed that podcast and want to listen to more, you can find them over at DiceOverEverything.com or uh, on your favorite podcast app. And if you want to leave a comment, message, or ideas for like more podcasts from yeah, us. Or just get in touch with us. At Facebook and look for Dice Over Everything there. All right. Bye. Bye.